Well, good morning once again. We have, um, as you can see, been in the middle of a, a sermon series that we have simply titled, I Believe, and we are going through the, the main sections of the Nicene Creed. We're not going word for word through this creed, that would take us months, but we are going, going through these main sections of the creed so we can know and be reminded of what we believe as Christians. If you remember, um, and this is review for most of you, but, but just in case you, you've forgotten, the Creed was a document that was written by the church in the, the fourth century, and it was a response to all of these different versions of Christianity flying around out there. The bishops of the church got together and said, well, what do we believe? And they, they wrote this document that is, is not Scripture, but it's the next closest thing. And it has for centuries been a statement of Orthodox Christian faith. And so as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, we look at this creed and we say, well, well this, is, you know, this is what we believe. This is what it means to be a Christian. And so we looked at, first of all, what do we believe about God the Father? And we saw that he was the creator of all things, the, the maker of heaven and earth, that he was one God, and that he created me, and he created you in his image. He created us in his image to be, um, to be holy, to, be, to cause people to worship him. And so when people look at us as created in the image of God, they should be drawn to worship the one true God. And then we looked at Jesus, God the Son, who, like we said last week, He's for us and for our salvation. Why do we need salvation? Well, we rejected God, we rejected our Creator, and we turned to ourselves, and we were doing our own thing and going our own way, so we needed a Savior, a Rescuer, God the Son, Jesus Christ, who is for us and for our salvation. And so that brings us to today. God, the Holy Spirit. And the Creed says that the Holy Spirit is the Lord and the giver of life. He is the Lord and the giver of life. He is worshipped and glorified with the Father and with the Son. So he is, he is part of this one God and yet three persons. And, we, and we, we talk about him as the Lord and the giver of life. And so we're going to look at um, two things today about the Holy Spirit. The first thing we want to say is, is what is his purpose? Okay? This is going to be a slightly different question. There's a question of what does he do, and we're going to skim over that one. But what we really want to know this morning, at least, is what is his purpose? What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? That's the first question. And the second one is this. When he starts to fulfill that purpose in our lives, what does that look like? Okay? You all with me? What is his purpose and what does it look like in our lives? And so we're going to start in John's Gospel. And maybe we can get that popped up on the screen. And we're going to ask the question, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Now here's the distinction. Sometimes we ask, what does the Holy Spirit do? And we see lots of things that He does. He gives us gifts, Paul says in Corinthians. He heals us. He convicts us of our sin. He guides us. He, he helps us determine what path God has for us, where we should go, what we should be doing, how we can be serving the Lord. These are all things that the Holy Spirit does. 
But they're not goals in and of by himself. We don't seek just the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We don't seek just healing. We don't seek just guidance. We seek God first. Right? And when we're seeking God, we receive healing. And we receive gifts. And we receive meaning and purpose. These things are are what you might call... um, Symptoms of the Holy Spirit. They're, they're signs of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what He does. But what is His purpose? Why, maybe, is the question. Why does He do these things? We had a short gospel passage this morning. And if, um, if you're familiar with John's gospel, what you realize is that these disciples are gathered with Jesus in the upper room. And um, they, frankly, are a little worried and a little distressed right now. Jesus has um, healed Lazarus, and the, the authorities, Jewish authorities, have had enough, and they want to kill him. And so they're holed up in the upper room, and they've celebrated the Last Supper, and they, Jesus has washed their feet, and Jesus has predicted that Judas will deny him, not deny him, will um, will as a traitor, will turn on him. He's predicted that Peter will deny him. He's predicted his own death. And now he's telling the disciples, and guess what? After I die, they're going to come after you. Okay? It's not just about me is what Jesus is saying. I'm going to die. I'm going to be persecuted. But they're going to come after you. You're going to be persecuted. Many of you will be martyred. You will be ostracized. And so they're sitting there, and they're like, really? Is this what I want to be doing? This doesn't sound like fun. And so they're they're distressed. This is terrible news. Not only is their leader going to die, but but they're going to suffer the same fate that he is. And and they're they're just really having a hard time with this. And so when we get to our lesson today, you know, the first thing Jesus says is, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus has a whole lot he wants to tell them, but the disciples simply cannot hear it. They're too distressed. They cannot hear what Jesus has to say. And furthermore, they have not witnessed his death nor his resurrection yet. And so not only can they not hear it because they're too distressed, they can't even understand the fullness of what Jesus has in store for them. The only thing they can see is Jesus is going to die and then I'm going to die after him. That's the only thing they can see right now. Jesus says, I have so much more to show you. And so much more to tell you. But you're going to have to wait. Because you can't hear it right now. And so it goes on in verse, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. So what is going on here? So we've got these disciples, and they can't hear Jesus, and they can't understand him, but he's saying the Holy Spirit's going to come. And this is, this is where we get to his purpose. The Holy Spirit will come. He will declare to you the things that you can't hear right now. And then in 15, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the purpose right there is that the Holy Spirit will take what is Jesus's, will take what is God's, and he will declare it to us. And so when, when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth, what it means is the Holy Spirit is going to lead us farther and farther into Jesus. Does that make sense? This isn't some 
random truth that nobody's heard of yet that we're waiting for like some new special revelation. This is the eternal truth of Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit is going to help us understand. That is His purpose. And so all of the healing that we might experience, all of the the guidance, all of the conviction of sin that the Holy Spirit does to us is so that we can understand Jesus better. Does that make sense? That the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring us into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so how is he going to do that? Well, what we see then is that the Holy Spirit, will re- he, he shows us what Jesus is, and he shows us what Jesus will do. And so we see some clues to that even in this passage. He says, uh, verse 14, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He will glorify me, so he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so he doesn't speak on his own authority. Anything that the Holy Spirit says to us and tells us comes from Jesus himself, comes from God himself. The word of the Holy Spirit is God's word and Jesus' word. It's the revelation of Holy Spirit. And so we come to a fuller understanding of Jesus, who Jesus is. The Father, God the Father, has given to Jesus all that he has. Right there in verse 14. All that the Father has is mine. So what has the Father done? Creation, eternity, sovereignty, ruling over all things, things seen and unseen. All this the Father has, He's given it to Jesus, He's taking the Holy Spirit, and He is declaring it to us so that we can receive it, so that we can own it. I was thinking about this um, yesterday when I read that Neil Armstrong passed away. Um, I don't know Neil Armstrong, the first man to walk on the moon And he famously declared as he stepped on the moon, he said, this is one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And and, um, he captured a real, gosh, I would have loved to have been a child when this happened. It would have been amazing because he he captured the imagination of of the nation, of the world. The man walking on the moon was just unheard of. And what he did, and I think I, I could say what, what happened there was, was we had, you know, we see the moon, right? Every day, almost. We see the moon in the sky. It's up there. It's, this, it's there. You can't deny its existence. It's sitting there, and we can see it. But what Neil Armstrong did, when he stepped foot on that moon, when, when those cameras were on him, what he did was he took that abstract thing, and he made it real. He made it real for so many people. We entered into that, and we lived into that, and we celebrated with Him. And so we have the Holy Spirit taking God and taking Jesus, something that you might know, okay? You know it. And the Holy Spirit, He, he declares it to us. He makes it real in our lives. And that's His purpose. That's what He's here for. And so... We ask the question, that's that's all fine and good, but what does this look like? Well, Galatians is, is pretty clear about this. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. 
this famous passage, the fruit of the Spirit, and, and we long for these things and we strive for these things. But I don't even think we can begin to understand them until we understand what the, maybe, what do we say, unfruit of the Spirit is, the desires of the flesh. And so Paul actually opens this section of verse 16. He says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. And so Paul is saying there's, there's two desires. You can desire the Spirit, you can desire Jesus and the revelation of Him, or you can desire the flesh. You can desire your own wants and your own needs. You can, you can pursue one of these two things, but you can't pursue both. You cannot pursue both of them. And so, so many of us, and, and I use us, I'm, I'm certainly including this, so many of us are pursuing the wrong thing, the wrong desires, the desires of the flesh. Verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now, y'all are all saying, well, I don't do all of those things. Like, guarantee you do some of them. Maybe most of them. The works of the flesh. They're, they're, you know, you, we, we have to go one way or the other. It's either going this way after the flesh or going this way after the spirit. But, but we cannot go in both directions at the same time. We try. We want that, don't we? We want that. We build up these, these facades. We, I was praying about this just with the worship team this morning. These facades that, that we come, maybe we come to church on Sunday and, you know, I look pretty nice in my vestments. And, and you know, so I look like somebody who's pursuing the Spirit, but deep down in my heart, I'm pursuing flesh. And I know I'm not alone. Why is that? Why are we doing that? Well, there's a little clue in here. A very little one. It's easy to miss. Verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay? If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so the reverse of that is true. If you're not led by the Spirit, you are under the law. What, what is the law? We're going to talk about this, actually, in a, in a few weeks more fully. But the law is, is, can be a bunch of things... But, but the bottom line is the law has to do with rules and behaviors that are self-justifying. Rules and behaviors that are self-justifying. So if you're under the flesh, you're under the law, and you're pursuing yourself. This looks like two things. One way it looks like, and many, many folks in the church are guilty of this, is doing the right things and being holy to somehow earn God's favor or to earn approval from your friends or whatever it is. It's behaving in certain way and following the rules to justify yourself. The other option is rejecting those rules, behaving completely different so you can have fun. You can justify yourself by having fun. And so, so you look at those people who are following all the rules and you think, oh, you're no fun. And you people who are following all the rules, you look at those people who are rejecting the rules and you say, oh, they're sinners. And do you see then where these, these fruits of the flesh, if you will, start to come out? Because, you know, there's the, the, the drunkenness and debauchery. Sure, that's easy to see, but there's also division and envy and strife. And we so often fall in one of these two camps because we're trying to justify ourselves. Whether it's before God or before others or simply in our own hearts, we're trying to, to, 
I don't know what we're trying to do. We're trying to prove that our life is worth it, that we're, we should, we're here for a reason, and, and we, we do it either by following the rules or rejecting the rules, but we don't very often live by the Spirit. When we live by the Spirit, we see the fruit of the Spirit. When we seek God instead of seeking ourselves, we see the love, we see the joy, we see the peace and the patience. And if you're led by the Spirit, verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And so if you're following God and following the Spirit, these things, these things will overflow in your life. But you have to be seeking them. You have, to be, you have to reject yourself, reject your flesh, reject the desires of your heart, and seek God. And you cannot do this by yourself. And so I'm going to close with this. You can realize this and you can understand it, but unless you understand the cross, none of this makes sense. Okay? But when you realize what Jesus has done for you, that he has given up his life, that he has died so your sins and you're chasing after the flesh so so that that can be redeemed and forgiven, when you realize that, this stuff starts to make sense. And so... So when you, when you pray and you look at Jesus and say, God, forgive me. Or like we prayed in our confession this morning. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. You're saying, Jesus, I can't live for myself anymore. I pray that the, your Holy Spirit will make it real to me. Because Jesus Christ didn't live for himself, did he? He lived for you. He lived for me. And he died for us. The challenge is, are we willing to accept that? Are we willing to accept the Holy Spirit who will lead us into all truth, the truth of Jesus Christ? And when we do that, when we realize the power of our redemption, we can lay the fruits of the flesh on the floor and we can grab hold of the fruits of the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that that, that your Holy Spirit would take what is yours and declare it to us. Make it real in our lives. That when we leave this place, we would stop pursuing ourselves and start pursuing you. And I pray, Lord, that we would know your love and your joy, and your peace, and your patience, and your kindness, and your goodness, and your faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, because we know, Lord, against these things there is no law. And we ask this through your Son, our Savior, who died for us, Jesus Christ. Amen.